passwords. We all have a lot of passwords. But how can we store them safe? Welcome to a new episode of DevSecOps Talks with me, Matthias, Andre, and Julian. Yes, yeah, so we all heard about the last pass breach, and uh, actually, one of us is using LastPass. Who is that? Anybody? Who is it? Who yes, is um, I, I, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I, I've been using LastPass for a few years now. Yeah, still using it actually. But it wasn't the first breach, was it? It was like... No, there were many, but, you know, it's like... I mean, to, to me, there are two kind of companies. There are those who've been hacked and those yeah. who don't know they've been hacked. Mm-hmm. And to, to me, it was <laughs> like... I, I, I know that uh, no product is perfect. And yeah. honestly, I, I haven't been affected at all by the, you know, the last pass breach. And maybe I got a tiny bit more spam and oh. that's about it. But all, all my important passwords are not in LastPass. Like that's uh, one thing. And my, my security model is very, very, very simple. It's like if it's important, don't put it online. Um, it, it, it's annoying, but uh, it's simple enough for me to to manage. But but how how many passwords do you have in LastPass? Right? Are we talking about ten or twenty or? Oh no, I, I have a, above like three hundred. Easy. Yeah, that was what I was thinking. I have like three or four hundred in my uh, Bitwarden. Mm, yeah, it's. I mean, it Bitwarden. I know it's cheaper, and honestly, I haven't really tried it. One password as well. I, I haven't really looked at it. I heard Dashlane is good. I like to me. I don't care. It's more like it's simple enough. I. I just use it for like uh, those my Twitter account or those kind of things. I have two-factor authentication everywhere. Yeah, and uh, it's it's simple do, enough. Do, do you store the two-factor authentication tokens in a, in a LastPass, <laughs> or do no, you use no, it no. separately? Separately, separately. Yeah. It's a uh, it, it's it's a bit annoying, and mm. I would say like it's mainly on my phone. You know, but mm-hmm. these days I haven't had I haven't had the need to log in to any. You know, it, it, on your phone they usually keep those credentials, and so yeah. you don't. You don't. You don't get logged out unless you do something really weird. Yeah. Uh, so I, I barely have used it uh, at all, and yeah, the first time it's a bit annoying. I had to, you know, at some point, um, update some website that, you know, I, I was trying around and reviewing my security model and seeing like, okay, where, where should I store stuff? What should be, what is important? What should be encrypted? What should be, what should not? And it was so time consuming. I mean, I, I, I even gave that feedback to LastPass. It's like the interface is really difficult to manage. Like you, you cannot do any bulk operation. Like if you want to sort them yeah. or to organize them, it's like they, they just... It's almost like your, I don't know, YouTube playlist. <laughs> it's it, it's such a nightmare to organize that I, I just don't do it anymore. And I'm like, yeah, too bad. It's like a... Chuck Norris style joke, if you like. Yeah. So Julian is so secure that he stores encrypted passwords in the last pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid yeah. joke, but... Anyhow, yeah, so yeah, it's, no, it's, it's a good, it's it's a good model. Uh, so, that's 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 right. so but, it's but, a good that you, you have a two face separate. I mean, that the, kind of eliminates the problems of. I, I can like, tell you, can, I can tell you a little bit of story about how how it is because I've been using it for, I don't know, I think it was seven years now. Mm. And honestly, I I didn't look too much. I just was tired of typing all those different passwords. Yeah. Uh, everywhere and I saw LastPass was free and I was like, yeah, it's it's good enough, you know, for for those websites I don't really care about because I don't remember, I don't go login so often. Mm-hmm. And so I remember they sent me an email a few years ago saying like, hey, you need to increase your, uh, you know, encryption count or like yeah. the, the number of times the thing the, the hash is encrypted and stuff. Yeah, not, not number of iterations exactly. Number of iterations. Thank you. I was looking for the name. Um, and, and so they sent me an email, and I could not even understand what they were talking about. Really, yeah, like it was so complicated. And I'm like, just tell me what to do. I'm tired. I, I cannot. I'm, 
at, at that time, I, did, I didn't know that much about security or, or, or so. And so I just followed the instruction. It's like, what's good? And they, they recommended like 500, uh, 550,000, something, something. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. That's good enough for me. And, uh, you know, when the last pass breach occurred, then, you know, you go and you, you increase the count knowing that, you know, your account might be compromised. And then I look at what I had is like, this is not worth me spending my evenings <laughs> yeah. going to all the websites. I literally saw it's like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And so at the end I was like, ah, no, nothing bad happened. So it's, I can understand if you have a company and you have like maybe financial data and, you know, personal data and stuff, but all that stuff is not on LastPass for me. It's just a, a fine, it's a tool, it's a utility, it's a convenience, I would say. It's not right. a critical. But that's also the thing. I mean, when you have three or 400 passwords in your password mm -hmm. store, I mean, the only way is to have two factor and then I, you can't change them all. It will take a very long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, you know what? I even tried. Um, so, you, you know, those YubiKeys. So yeah. you, you, some websites allow you to set up a YubiKey. And I think it's very convenient, uh, except if you lose it. So you always need to have two. Yeah, but yeah. the problem is that you always need to have when you sign up for something, you need to be to have the two. Or you need to make a note to remember to go add the second one in case yeah. you lose one. And I think at one of them, I had an issue uh, where, you know, I could not remember where it was, but uh, basically I, I just forgot. And it was quite, the, the recovery system was, yeah, it was annoying because they sent you email anyway. Yeah. And you just follow and you just remove and, and adapt. And yeah, I would is, say the two-factor certification in it will protect you from the the brute force attacks, right? So like your password got stolen, but yeah. if someone really after you, then they just contact support, pretend being you, ask them to reset your yeah. 2FA. Probably by then they already got access to your email. And yeah, so yeah. There, there are cases where people just getting their 2FA reset by support because the human is always the weakest link. So yeah, yeah, sure. And I, th I remember Matthias and I made a, a podcast on uh, on episode on uh, you know working from home security and all those yeah. things. And yeah. we we honestly not not much has changed because now the industry has moved to you know TFA becomes the norm. Like lately, GitHub has, uh, will activate automatically 2FA for you. Yeah. Okay. So you, you, you need to, to take those steps. I think 2FA is, is okay. It's just an annoyance, but you, you barely need to do it more than once. Uh, if you're a user, if you're a company, yeah, usually like, for instance, I, I need to log in every day to my cloud account because the token is needs to be refreshed or those kind of things. So, so th th those use cases are different for, for the normal person. I mean, if they have 2FA, it's more than enough, I feel, yeah. if they don't have, like, sensitive data in there. Of course, I, I talk like that because I'm very cautious about what I put online. And I would say the most annoying thing for me is basically spam. So mm -hmm. I subscribe to this um, service called Simple Login, and yeah. it just gen generates those aliases. And you can define rules yeah. for where those mail go, and you can block them and everything. It's, it's quite convenient. I would say, mm -hmm. like... I would say, I would say for for security, like my, my email is is more precious than the password because the password is it, it gives you access to nothing basically because I mm. always have two FA, but uh, it, it's not so. I mean, just there's a whole security thing and and convenience is always a trade off. Yeah. So you yeah. you really have to to evaluate like, hey, if this gets stolen, what is the consequence of that? Like, what mm. can they do? And what's dangerous is if they get access to your uh, data, such as your home address, your phone number, because then they can really, or your social security number. Th those kind yeah. of things are much more impactful than my password uh, or those things, because in my email, there is no important document or anything. Like, everything is backed up and, and encrypted for me. So it's... I mean, it's work. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I complain to security people all the time. It's like, please make it easy. This is insane. Nobody's going to understand. They don't understand the trade of they're making. 
I'm, uh, I'm looking at the simple login at the moment. Uh, it's good you brought it up. It's simplelogin.io. It's free yeah. for, for 10 aliases if, if some of you want to use it. And another thing is you could pay $30 per year, which is a great price, I would say. And you could bring your custom domain there. And you could have catch-all or wildcard domains. So it's really cool. Five subdomains, 50 directories. So I actually think I will switch to this one because I do have a catch-all right now. So I generate those emails myself, but then they all go to the same box, right? Yeah. And uh, if one of those emails got leaked, then, um, yeah, I will know which service leaked it, but I will still receive those emails. Yeah. I could probably block from somewhere anyhow the yeah, simple login will be a good addition if if i actually use one password i've been using one password for a long time yeah. and as far as i know those guys didn't have much issues reported but i always was worried by the um, the browser extension mm -hmm. because technically if you breach the browser you can use the browser extension to just siphon out all passwords from your vault, so it's, it's sitting there, and if it's unlocked, then yeah. you're kind of in trouble. But what they did with uh, 1Password8 is they added the hotkey extensions. So now I could sh put, uh, press command shift space on Mac, and that brings up a search bar of 1Password. I search the password there, and I have uh, hotkeys to copy login, password, uh, 2FA code, and then just paste it into the browser. So in this way, I don't need to have, um, <clears throat> I don't need to have a browser extension. So I, I removed the browser extension everywhere. That's nice. Which still, if people breach the laptop, they can still get to one password if it's unlocked, but I hope that it will take a little bit more work for them to do it. Yeah. But uh, Andre, uh, are you using LastPass as well, or your Bitwarden, or another password manager? Password. I've been talking about one password. This is one yeah. password feature. Like between ourselves for the podcast production, we're actually using Bitwarden. Yeah. So that's another piece of tech there. And my approach is I actually started to utilize more and more Apple login. So yeah. for the apps I'm testing and I don't care about, I'm just using Apple login. Yeah. And for the stuff that kind of important, like which I want to keep control over, over the time, yeah, I will use email and generate email, like a one-time email or email per service. We'll have a good password to pay for it. And then similar to Julian, there are a couple of critical services like you know email for instance then uh, for those i have uh, passwords in my head like uh, based on the system generated based on the system log passwords oh cool so so how, how do you share password between i mean if i have a password i share it with, with you julian how should i do that that's so, one of the things that I stumbled with, with with the password manager. I have all my Bitwarden, but sometimes, you know, for example, we want to log into the same service. How can I share a password? Yeah, especially it's it can be difficult if it's for your family because they, they really don't care yeah. <laughs> usually. And they, they just want things to work. So there is a bit of education uh, going on there. Uh, most of those services, I don't know. I'm sure like one password or you know Bitwarden and and LastPass they do this uh, password sharing thing, um, but you have to pay per user and those kind of things. So you have licensee. If if you if you just want to share one uh, password with your colleague or something that you know you, you don't have those kind of services uh, at Spotify, we had something called a YoPass. So Y O P A S S. Dot essay. And uh, it's a website that basically encrypts the password. You can set a, a, a password to access that one. Um, 
So you click a link, you enter the password, and you you can it decrypts the password, and the other person can can get it. The nice thing is that you can set the time time to live. So let's say the link is valid for twenty four hours or one hour. If you know that the person is right there, okay. and will automatically get it, you can also set like um, self destruct link. So as soon as the someone click the link, the password will show and will. You will not have access. The link will not be valid anymore, yeah. and so this is very useful when you need to share private keys or those kind of things that, or public keys or those kind of things that you don't really want to leak on the internet, and you don't want to use Slack or you know iMessage. <laughs> but but <laughs> like, is it any different? I mean, posting they post the the key unencrypted to their service. Yeah. 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 So so it's. You can look at the code. It's on GitHub. It's uh, it's uh, written in Go and TypeScript for the interface. It's 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 quite simple enough. You know, it's not uh, it's not something that needs storage. Yeah. Uh, that, or that big of storage. It's not to send like a video that you need to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, to encrypt. Like, of course, it's, it's very much if you have some like a, you you share one uh, password with the team. Uh, you, you can send the link and then people can add it to their uh, password manager. And so I, I use many, like, you know, even the YubiKey can be used as a password storage. Yeah. Uh, you, you can do so many crazy things. And the, the thing is that how, how do you use that with a phone is the main use case. So so if you're on the computer, it's a completely different thing. Uh-huh. But because the phones have very strong security on the OS level, like you, you cannot change much, basically. Yeah. Um, so th- this is kind of secure I- in a way. Of course, everything is a trade-off. But w- on on the phone, I would say Apple is doing a pretty good job to make it kind of useful or convenient. I would say it's not gr- great. Like for instance, for all the if you want to hide your email and stuff, I, I think it's not it's not so easy to manage. I found, but uh, it it hasn't been a problem so much. Mm. I, I would say. So, so it really depends what's your what's your use case. Like, if you're sharing your bank uh, password, yeah. that can be a little bit touchy. I, I wouldn't recommend sharing that with anyone. Uh, but again, like some case or you know, how, how, how would you send your uh, crypto wallet key to me? <laughs> First of all, I wouldn't. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> No, but you, you honestly, like you, you, some people really uh, underestimate how much pen and paper is actually safe these days. Yeah. Like you, you could, I could very much. Uh, it it's not convenient, but but it's but safe, but not really useful, right? Yeah, exactly. So this is the trade-off. You you can have convenience or you can have full security. That's. Uh, but to, to, to share about the use cases, so I, the, as Julian mentioned, the password managers, they, in most cases, they have similar functionality. So one password allows you to send the link, access to the item from the vault as the link, and then you could have it valid for an hour or a period of time. Also, you can set up a password and ask one password to validate that the people with certain email can only access. So there, there are ways for that. Another tool that I've been using, so my ca- use case is I need to share a copy of my passport, for instance, with yeah. a person who helps me with the paperwork. And typically, people will just send it over the email. Yeah. Um, one step more advanced, you zip it and put the password on the zip archive. But then it actually could be blocked by antiviruses. Right. And then you send the password to the zip archive using different channel. And I've been using the service called send.vis.ee, which is Estonia. And it's actually the same functionality as the YoPass. So YoPass is uh, focused on sending messages, but there is also upload button, so you can actually upload the file and send it. And send.vis is basically a file center that 
gives you a protected link. You could protect it with a password and also set expiration time or number of openings. But now I actually start to think that if I have the documents in one password, I could actually use one password link for that. So yeah, that might be more secure. Yeah. But, but at the same time, you're storing all your eggs in the same basket. So that's that's a problem. Yeah. So who, who knows? You have to you have you have to choose your security model here and uh, see your risks. But, but you uh, know, no. so, sorry sorry to interrupt, but uh, I I'm not so concerned about you know sharing it securely. My problem is is the same why I'm so careful about sharing my email is that some websites have such poor security on their inside the the infrastructure that mm -hmm. actually even though if you share it securely <laughs> someone a hacker can come and just steal the database i give you yeah. an example that i really really took me by surprise i ordered something i think it was by shopify i don't even mm -hmm. know what it was i think it was a gift for someone and of course you need to put your real email address and your phone mm -hmm. number and those kind of things right shopify got hacked for the next two months, I was getting calls daily, if not mm. hourly, about scams yeah. and mm. things like that. That you know, and basically, you know, how doesn't matter how securely I would share it with Shopify if Shopify no. doesn't secure this stuff. Yeah. So, so th this is where I I really understood this. It's not no point being paranoid. It's like some somewhere you you have to trust someone. And this is the, the decision you make. Sometimes yeah, you have no this, choice. Yeah, this is exactly why I, why, why I started to think about that. Because if I send it over email, then it will be saved in my email box in sent items. And then the person who receives it, it will also have it in that person's mailbox. As soon as one of those mailboxes are reached, they will go and look for the documents. Like everything is attachment. That's yeah. like very, that, that would be the first thing I would do if I, I get to some mailbox and I got exploited. I would go and look for attachments because yeah. this is how people Definitely. do it. They, they attach yeah, all possible I, type of documents there. Yeah. Actually, say I, I shared my password uh, today. I'm renting an Airbnb and she wanted to see my password. Yeah. Uh, and I did it with WhatsApp over an encrypted uh, chat. Hmm. But I, I, I don't know. But I have this idea that maybe after the trip, I can go into the chat and remove the image. I don't know if yeah. it's true that I can remove it from, but I should be able to remove it for everybody. So, but yeah, I think I can remove it for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, so hopefully after the trip, I can just go into the chat and say, like, remove this, and then it will be removed from all devices. And hopefully there's no, no backup of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think. In that use case, I, I think it's good to have some kind of routine of changing password, and I, I feel like the process is actually it's it got it's it has gotten better over the years. But I, yeah. I remember a few years ago it was madness. Some mm. some really had no idea what they were doing. The, the user interface was just so broken. But now it, it's I, I feel it's much better because they kind of understood. Uh, mm. th th this is. You should be able to change your password anytime. Yeah, uh, but can, can't you speed up the change password process? And then, if you haven't changed your password for sixty days logged in, just remove the password, like make the password uh, disabled. So, I mean, if I haven't logged into a service for ninety days, I, I, maybe I don't use it that much, and then the password should be invalid. So next time, I can request a new one. Uh, instead, I have like. A hundred old password in my password manager that I don't use really. Yeah, talk, talking about the tools, I, I think let's talk a little bit more yeah. on security. Um, we need to admit the elephant in the room and talk about ChatGPT, obviously. That's yes. the tool that everyone been exploring lately. So, how's it been for you guys? Anyone already using it? Do you feel that AI gonna replace you? Uh, I'm using it for for Copilot in, in code. That's the only thing I'm using it for. Uh, and right now, I don't feel like I'm going back coding without it. It's 
Uh, it's helping me a lot. Mm-hmm. It's helping me in two ways. I'm not that strong coder, right? Uh, so in, in two senses, it's helped me to, uh, when I'm doing repeatable tasks, it just makes them for me, right? Mm-hmm. But it also makes suggestion of code so I can adapt and maybe become a better programmer because then I can say, oh, should I do it this way instead? And then I can type it. So uh, for, for me, uh, it's, it's, it's really nice. It's really nice. I like it. Yeah. I would say like become not better programmer, but more average programmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. all those big language models is just be about getting yeah. average, what average person would say. Yeah. And the copilot is, is, is then the open AI tool on GitHub. They checked all the code and it makes suggestions when you write code. So if I'm writing a, uh, function, it will say, Oh, did, was this what you mean? And it's show that, like, uh, as a com- comment or something, and then you can choose if you want to add the OpenAI code to your project or, or, or not. Sometimes you add it and then you modify it or something. So, so that's oh. Copilot, and it's a paid oh. service as well from, from GitHub. Yeah. Now, now, now it's a question to you, Matthias. Yeah, are you editing proprietary code with a Copilot? No, I'm not. It's open, open, only open source. Okay, that was the right answer. Yeah, it is right because they scan the code. It's really, I, I, I think you all should try it. The first time I, I install it and then started writing and to the, the, it's starting like showing like what do you call it like. Um, Describe some code sentence that I want to add. It was like, what? How can it? How can it knows what I want to do here? And it was a couple of those moments, like, what? Really? And then you tab it, like, wow, wow. So, I think uh, there is a there is a checkbox somewhere to opt out of using your code for the improvements. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's what you, you need to. But but isn't there also that if if your code is on GitHub, they scanned it? I think I don't know if this hundred percent true, but I heard that uh, it was a big discussion that they actually scanned all code base on GitHub, even the preparing and not open open projects. So so I, I would like to put a, a little. A note here when they say they scan the code. So it, it is true that the code is scanned, but it's not the code that is sent. Yeah. So what what happened is it's um, oh I forgot the name, but in NLP basically you have those uh, embeddings. That's what I mean, embeddings. So mm-hmm. the the way it works is that a word is converted to a series of numbers, basically. And those numbers have uh, some um, frequency, or like you, you, you can you have a frequency of the next word based on the word you received. And so this is the same for the scandal that ha- Apple was scanning your picture for pedophilia yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they were not sending your picture; they were sending the, the embedding, so the result, the yeah. encoded yeah. Uh, picture. Because otherwise, it would be so much to to process and to transfer. It's like way too big. But the, 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 this is what we need to understand. It's like it's not your code, and it's not a human that is reading it. It's a machine that is parsing that. So I, I understand completely the concern of for privacy. I, I'm the first one to 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 stand for it. But it's also like how much convenience do you want? Like the machine needs some data to base the, this, the decision on. So yeah. Yeah, another another thing to add on top of it is when you're getting the code suggestions, is you need to understand that there is no intelligence behind it. So the machine doesn't really understand what it's doing. It's just checking the weights, if you like, in the model and say and saying like, well, most of the people when they use those things, then they wrote this. And it yeah. basically gives you the most probable answer that it saw somewhere else or aggregated it somehow. Yeah. So you, what you're basically getting is average aggregate of what humanity would do in this case, yeah. or the subset of humanity that was available for the 
learning for the model. So there is no, there is no intelligence behind it and it will do mistakes because like if most of the people did a mistake there, you will get a mistake in the code. And that's why the code suggestions you might get, like my experience was like for Terraform, for instance, writing variable definitions, like just de declaring variables and outputs on Terraform. It's a straightforward task. Yeah. I was perf perfect for that. Yeah. But when you're writing Python and bam, you've got 15 lines of code out of nowhere. And it's, and it looks impressive because at first look, it actually does what you thought you would need to. And then you run it and it doesn't work. Because it just compiled something for you, and that was the most probable path. But yeah. it just doesn't work with doing something that uh, that uh, you didn't expect it to do. The same I used it for preparation for podcast. Actually, so I thought like, well, now we have ChatGPT, and I could do a Steve Gibson style podcast. But instead of doing research myself, I yeah. will just ask ChatGPT to do a research for me and pump out the text. So yeah. I have something to work off. And uh, I, I specify the topics. I specify the transitions between the topics I want to have. I asked to like give me more details on those topics. Extend. So it was quite complex request to ChatGPT. So becoming a prompt engineer, if you like. And I got the text back, and on the surface, it looked really good. But then there were factual errors in it, like uh, dates were wrong, for instance. And it was like wrong significant, like a one year difference, basically. So mm. I, I would say it's not, not, not going to replace us, but for some certain tasks, it's really good. So for instance, I am using Grammarly, not being the... English native speaker, I need to, I need help with English. I need someone to take a look and fix my grammar, find the issues. So I'm using Grammarly to run through the text. And I feel that I need Grammarly less and less if I got ChatGPT because I could just throw my bad English into ChatGPT and tell it like, make it English. Here you go. Yeah, I'm using Grammarly as well. But Julian, you're a big machine learning fan. What have you, have you tested or have you used it any? So, uh, yeah, I, I used it um, a few months ago when I was uh, working at a startup. And th this is my experience for, you know, the whole thing that uh, AI is going to take our jobs. I don't think that's true. W what's happening is this, for my experience of uh, Copilot, for instance, nine out of 10, it, to me, it was completely wrong or garbage. Or he, he could not even find something. Hmm. Um, the one time it just got me like, wow, that's nice. And it, honestly, it's not the code that I could not have written. It's just like it so saved me times. Yeah. And this is what yeah. this is what I think about AI. It's more like it's gonna save you time. It doesn't mean that you know it's gonna replace you. It's, it's just gonna make you more efficient or faster at doing things. And honestly, you still have to pay attention because the, the, the code that I got, most of it uh, had bug in it. So and I, I would like to say something. Like, for instance, it, it works like this. If you want to chat GPT that works, you, I noticed that if you put comment before writing what you want to write, it, it works much, much better. Like, if you put the documentation first, it yeah. will write the code more or less to what you want, you still have to test it because honestly, it doesn't cater for most uh, most use case. But uh, I, I found that that's a, and it's only for very specific, um, you know, low level function that you 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 could write it yourself. So this is what I feel by AI. It's not about replacing people. It's like leveling up the playing field. So most developer will be better developer. Like, as Andre said, it will make you average if you're a total beginner. And that's, I think, it's a great thing. Yeah. It does, but it doesn't, uh, if you're, and it will force people to, to become even better, like specialize into something. You still need to be, you still need a human, you understand, to, to, yeah. to grasp all those things. 
because the uh, look at the the Google presentation they made with Bart and the the thing it presented had an error in it, and suddenly the stock tank like ten percent. So those kind of things are really big mistakes, and that's what I mean by AI. You you still need someone who knows those things to check if the AI says the right thing. It's not just probability. I have a different take on this. I, I, I'm not saying I disagree with Bruder, but I would maybe use analogy here. So if you are uh, a digger, so your work is to dig ground, and you're doing it with a shovel, you will be replaced by the person who operates a machine and does it more efficiently and faster. True. So those AI tools, they are basically machines. And uh, yes, machine itself will not replace you. But if you keep digging with a shovel, the person with machine will. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, I, I, I don't think it's an optional skill that you could do without it. If you have 20 years of experience coding, maybe for some time but eventually a person that knows how to use those tools efficiently will be more productive and they will be a bad choice for an employer or a person who would contract your services so it's about gaining efficiency and uh, using tools and all this episode is about the tools about being more efficient doing less mistakes so that's why i think it's important that you're paying attention and uh, you experimenting with those tools and you don't fall for the hype because if you watch some youtube videos people who doesn't understand shit they they just make look at magic that it will magically do things for you and that you understand what you want it will not you just need to understand exactly. it rephrases the stuff that other people did. So yeah. that gives you an idea for the type of tasks you can use it, right? So exactly as Matthias said, if it's repeatable tasks, which are more or less the same all the time, it will accelerate and it will speed you up. Yeah. But if you have creative task, where you need uh, human ingenuity or where you need to do something that no one did before you, this is where you still need a human, or as uh, as uh, Julian said, like a composer, right? Someone who orchestrates the thing and uh, for, uh, and directs its output in the way you need it. So this is where we will be becoming the prompt engineers. <laughs> I, I think it's a basically. I I don't know if you remember, but the beginning of the cloud. People say, oh, there's so many services. Nobody will need to code. We will just have to configure a few services. I remember. There is, there, there is no, <laughs> in history, like the short history of computing, mm-hmm. there is a bigger need for a programmer now than there was before the cloud. You understand? Yeah. yeah. So, so I, fe- I feel that this is has just like th- those machine learning models, somebody needs to write them, operate them, maintain mm-hmm. them. Mm. You know, verify, secure them for, mm. for privacy, for for bias. So I think this is going to create ten times more jobs that are. It's going to replace job, but not su- suppress jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I think the nice part with this is the integration with it. I have it in code. I mean, in the daily tools that I'm working, they be like powered up with this AI tool to help me write. It's the same with Grammarly. When you write things and get those assistants with writing in English, that, that is really helping me in, in the daily work. Now, one place where those tools would, would be amazing is all those goddamn voice assistants, like Alexa or Siri. I mean, well, Siri is totally dumb. Alexa is a little better. <laughs> But uh, like imagine integrating the chat GPT into there and like yeah. having the somewhat decent conversation with the assistant. Mm, you don't need it's to talk just, with any people anymore. You can just talk with your smart home speaker. Yeah, because like even today I, I saw my 
my my daughter interacting with Alexa, and it's play it's playing the song, and she's like otra vez, basically saying Spanish, do this song again, and uh, Alexa yeah otra vez mean in Spanish this, (laughs) and Alexa like stop no play again. And Alex says, no, there is nothing to play again. And like, it's just totally dumb. I mean, it's like missing the context. And this is where the, those uh, big language model excel. They are yeah. able to keep the context. So yeah. th- that will be really helpful. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, don't, yeah. I don't care much for Gmail or like, you know, having the code whisper from Amazon. Amazon, go fix, fix Alex, integrated there. I'm also looking forward to, I have this issue you know, when you look for solutions, uh, you know, when you Google for a problem, you want to, you have an error and you Google it or search for a brave and you get 20, 30 pages of results and you need to click them through to find yeah. the right, the right answer. It'd be so nice when, when the AI can help you sort all this, because today the result that you get back is just based on SEO and yeah, I think I already I already saw the either website or application where you just post a year old from Kubernetes, and it's being explained by ChatGPT and gives you a reference documentation what you need to do to fix it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many hours I've spent searching through. Uh, pages with with bad links to things that doesn't doesn't help, right? So so basically, the what I feel is one of the great uh, advance with those large language model is that they can synthesize, uh, you know, a big chunk of text. Yeah. It's like so sometimes I received a mail from the bank and oh. it's like three pages of just <laughs> legalese that. Mm. You know, it, it's it's so boring to read that it, it's just a bunch of rules, truly, uh, that I, I barely understand if it applies to me. And I have yeah. to really keep that in my head. And I, it would be so nice if there is a model to say, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. G- given this information and your situation is this, the best way to do it is actually this because these yeah. rules. Uh, and so this would be very much helpful for many things. I th- I'm so surprised that we don't have like, how come there is not a medical service now that say, hey, uh, I have a headache? And then they say, oh, okay, do you have like a, you know, like a system expert? Yeah. That you, it just asks you a question to, to diagnose and get at least 80% right. And then they say, yeah, please check with the doctor or those kind of things. So okay. that you, you, you could at least have some kind of indication of what's wrong with you. Yeah. You understand? It's not like, yeah, of course there is always, because a doctor cannot remember all those diseases. Yeah. You know, they, they, you really need to find the, the good doctor. Mm. And it, it's it's mind-blowing to me that we've spent, yeah, for marketing, that AI is just go crazy. But for helping human condition is actually so hard to make it. Yeah, but and, the, and you, that's al- you also need to get the proper valid information from the person about the symptoms because the person's quite often can describe what's what's wrong with them properly so the 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 job of the doctor is quite often to digest what people are saying and where are they imagining stuff what is real and then when you actually dealt with a human side of the thing you could feed it to machine yeah, so yeah, but I mean, it, it would. I would think that AI would help the doctor more. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Sure. It, it's it's not for the the person who is alone in their in, in the apartment. I'm more talking like, hey, the doctor really need those uh, language model yeah. to check about the the thousand possibilities that they cannot keep in their head. Yeah. And uh-huh. let's say uh, how many doctors they need to keep up. Do you know? Like the, they they have a, a really huge budget for. Mm you know, keeping up to date. Yeah. And that can be reduced. Like the million would be saved if, if they go through that, yeah. uh, having those language models, because they would they would have some really good training. And yeah. the same for developer, I would say, you cannot remember all the language and all the APIs and all the, the you know, the, the edge cases for every language, everything. So having those, ch- those language models to help you with those yeah. is actually where the value is, so, because suddenly you have superpowers. 
it's like your your brain has been unlocked to yeah. to the, all that knowledge that is accessible to you. Yeah. It's yeah. not. It's you understand. It's really yeah. about I think, I think, improving. I think it's called precise medicine, right? So if you get all the readings and all the data about your body right in a machine readable format, and then machine can comprehend it and actually tell you with some level of certainty what it is. That that would be a, a real good thing, and I mean it would will revolutionize the medicine because right now it's a doctor he's more like a detective who hadn't been during the crime happened and it's he's supposed to guess what it was based on your explanation having very little readings and he basically has all the medical readings in the current moment and he has no history of those readings so he doesn't really know how the how disease is progressing plus certain readings might not be taken right in the right right where you are like when you meet him with a sure with a sure I, I i took medicine because it's one that you know everybody has a body and everybody went to the doctor at least once uh, i mean it just uh, even for legal matter like hey yeah. there, there is this bunch of laws what do they mean like what yeah. can, just or accounting just account like not even something you know Ta- life taxes. threatening Taxes. Taxes. Yeah. Like, am, am I doing my taxes right? I ask everybody else, is like, hey, I'm doing my taxes, but I have no idea if what I'm doing is right. It's like, yeah, welcome to the club, because yeah. like nobody does. But it, it, is the same, it, it is the same with a doctor. So you, you have no idea what you are doing and you're filling in the form. Yeah, but, and then there is another person on another head who is trying to read this form. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm really hoping that uh, this chef Gipsy will help me with all this documents that you get from the bank from the uh, you know tax office from lawyers and they're writing in this all difficult language to make you so you don't understand really what's going on or it feels like that way and it'd be really nice if you can just post them in and get like a summary what is this this is a summary and uh-huh. then maybe this government and banks stop sending these ridiculous letters to you with all this crap and just give me the summary of what's up and then nothing more. Yeah, or you know, it's like explain me Kubernetes like I'm 40 years old yeah. instead of five. It's just like you, sometimes you just need a, a simple explanation yeah. of of things that, mm-hmm. hey, I, I don't want to read the manual of the 300 pages manual. I just want to know to do this. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's... Uh, Sometimes it's just it, it, so much uh, brain power is spent on just yeah. sharing knowledge mm. that I feel th- this can very much be digested yeah. mm. by a machine to to be shared to a human. Yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of tools out there you can use. We talked about password managers. We talked about AI tool can help us. I think we're coming up to last minute of the show. Should we add shooting some last tools, or should we go for go for another episode with more tools? What do you think? I'm I'm really looking forward like uh, having those uh, language large language model on the computer, so you can just talk to the computer instead of just what's that keyword again? What's that Mm. key? What's that? What's that keyboard shortcut? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's gonna cramp your finger (laughs) Uh, so so many times. It's like, yeah, I don't remember those things. It's like, you know, when I started programming, the the teacher was saying, uh, by the way, there is no function called do uh, more or less what I mean. It's like you have to be really precise. <laughs> and I feel that we reached the point where this thing can actually understand more or less what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. you know my situation, you know what I want. Like, please don't make it hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to write a file. I don't know about those low level stuff. No, no. <laughs> you, know? Yeah, yeah. you know what reminds me? Like, I, I'm dealing with an open search, which is. Uh, Something that Amazon did with Elasticsearch, so now it's open. Yeah, open of, search. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with a, every new version, they actually have more stuff in there. So, and curat, curat, no, curator, curator thingy that's supposed to remove your indexes. Yeah, it stopped work. It stopped. It stopped working because uh, Open Search says I'm not Elasticsearch, and curator says I only work with Elasticsearch. Go away. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in open search, they actually now introduced index state 
management. I think it might have been there before as a plugin, but now it's available in a distribution that you get from Amazon. And you can basically automatically configure the policy saying like, well, delete all my indexes after 90 days. Amazing. You just configure that. It can even now do a Slack notification when it fails or can send it to SNS topic. So I configure this and thinking like, yes, this is so, so much better. Yeah. And then I check it and it says, well, I tried to delete those indexes, but you need to have roll-up aliases and index templates configured. Yeah. And then I'm like, why it have to be so co- complicated? Why are you pushing this stuff on the user? Yeah. I mean, like, why I am as a user need to know what can you just make a wizard and let me configure those? Because now I need to go and understand what it is and yeah. like, have a knowledge that I need them. So, like, you know, talking about what Julian said, be, be, kind of do what I want to do, but don't make me to be like so precise. Yeah. So it's annoying. But so, right. I mean, that, that was, that's the biggest issue I have with Elasticsearch, right? It just grows, right? And there's no good way in 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 handling this. I'm also working with with rolling. As open search, there is now yes. So you have the state management policies, and you could it can automatically clean it itself up without third party tools. But you just need to know what this roll up alias and index template is to configure it. I think you should go to ChatGPT and ask, right? I think this is what they're going to do right now. So let's end this, and I'm going to ask John It's actually not that bad idea. <laughs> and I'm going to ask also what uh, what show notes we're going to put in here as well, and then I would post it in. Oh, I wonder if, 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 if I can ask him to, to show notes. But then we need to have a podcast and text. Hmm. Let's figure something out. Be, this, this can be fun. Uh, okay. I think we'll end the show there. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more episodes. Thank you, guys. Bye. 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 Take care. You have been listening to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias, Andre, and Julian. For more podcast and notes, go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.